Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back on the coaching merry-go-round now. And this is a guy I really wanted to talk to because he coaches the coaches. He's worked with a lot of these guys. He knows about mindset and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Murray Mexter joins us in Mex. Um, I was just making the point before the news about... The only teams that aren't being discussed at the moment are France and Ireland with their coaching setups because they've had fantastic seasons. It's 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 hard to know where it's going to end, Murray. Well, that's the that is the question. Good good afternoon, Steph. How are you, mate? Um, you know, in my view, they are the top two seeds, aren't they? They're yep. clearly the top two seeds. Everyone else is chasing at the moment, but um, the gaps close between about the top six or seven sides, really. And anyone could win, which I guess has got to be exciting. And we're we're in the group now. We're no longer at the the head of the the, the head of the group. We're in the middle of it. So um, it's a matter of who performs from now, isn't it? It is. Um, we've seen interestingly quite an aggressive stance by Wales. They they sack and hire. It looks like England are going to sack and hire. Um, a lot of people are saying that that New Zealand won't do that because, you know, you only get nine months until the World Cup. Nine months is long enough, isn't it? Because I saw the change Jason Ryan made in three weeks. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of speculation, isn't there? And particularly in the media, and some of it is, you know, badly resourced. But, uh, um, you know, the the Welsh thing, he's had a shocking time, hasn't he, PVAC, with Mm. the team recently. Um, And I know that he did well in the... In the Six Nations, but um, it's a different ball game, I think, at the moment. And so, and Gatlin, you can sort of see why they, you know, they were successful under Gatlin um, for a long period of time, you know, reasonably successful. Um, so they've gone back to the uh, to what they know is going to work, and and uh, you, know, you can't blame them. I'd be surprised if Eddie Jones was sacked. I, I think that's full speculation. Announced his retirement at the end of the World Cup, and um, I think that he's been trying out a lot of players. And you'd have to say they uh, they are one, you know, one of the top four four teams, aren't they? So they could come through yet. Uh, that's a, a good possibility. Because the thing about coaching at this elite level is you get a group of men who are at the top of their game, and so it's not about coaching, catch and pass and all of that. So what do you see as the key attributes? Because you've worked with most of these guys that are on the international circuit now. What what are the key attributes that they will need to take into different environments? I think the number one is to create the right environment where players can perform at their maximum um, as a team. So that's, that's number one. Now, you don't get worse as a coach. You get better. The more, you, the more experience you have, the better you become if you have the ability to create that environment. And, that, and that's the guts of it, really. Uh, you can be a very good assistant coach, um, but assistant coach role and a, and a head coach role are totally different. You know, the role, the head coach role now is, is, a, is the person that manages the whole 
situation, I call it the environment, the rugby environment, what needs to happen. And he will point assistant coaches that he thinks can get the best um, out of the team, which is what Foster's done with, with Ryan, hasn't he? He clearly, last time I spoke to you, I think I identified there were three areas that they had to tidy up before the Rugby World Cup, and that was the front row, uh, the midfield backs, and the loose forwards. And I think that, in many respects, um, the appointment of Jason Ryan has it looks to have resolved the front row a certain amount, and, and we're not so concerned about that now. Uh, the midfield backs, where there have been a lot of injuries, I will say, um, it looks like they might be on the on the right road. Um, Geordie Barrett has been a success in the midfield where we have had injuries. And with Leonard Brown coming back, then you'd have to say um, we now have options uh, because Awani, you know, is primarily a winger, isn't he? Who sort of would send in the centre to to cover that role and to see how he would grow. Uh, so I think there's going to be an interesting selection battle between Leonard Brown and Awani. Um, so, you know, I'm not so concerned now about the midfield backs as I was, and that leaves the loose forwards, and I think Scott Barrett has answered the call there. We, You need to have somebody who is dominant in the air, a third lock, so to speak, but a lock who's got the ability to play as a, as a blindside flanker or a number eight irrespective. Um, and I think Scott Barrett's put up his hand and said, I'm the man, because he is commanding in the air. Mm. Line-out time, but also kickoffs, which are really vital. So I think, um, you know, that criteria for the head coach is vital. If you can create that environment and you can appoint coaches that can do the business in the various areas, you know, whether it's defence, whether it's forwards, whether it's backs, whatever you classify them at, then that's the key to it. Uh, if you can't create the environment, you're going to have a lot of inconsistency. And that is why I think there is so, ma so much speculation uh, with the top three or four teams uh, that aren't uh, as performing as consistently as they were you know, in the past. And I'm, I'm referring, obviously, to England, but also to the All Blacks and to Australia, um, to a certain degree. Do, do you think... And again, we're left to speculate all the time when it comes to New Zealand rugby. Do you think Razor Robertson fits the mould for the all-black coach through the board's eyes? Well, that's um, the million-dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, you use the word through the board's eyes. Yes. So to answer your question precisely, I'd like to know who the appointments panel is because mm. we don't, we never really know, do we? The board make a decision, but at one stage the appointments panel were, was, I think, was about six different people, including uh, uh, people from Sport New Zealand. So, you know, I think that's one thing that needs to be resolved, and and I and I believe there should be an appointments committee, and on that committee it should be a committee of a small number of people, not a large number of people. Uh, you know, three people sounds like a good number to me, and you know we've had we've had that for many years, haven't we? Really, it, just recently it's sort of become a group decision. <laughs> but um, you know, if you could have a, a panel of three with a very um, experienced senior coach, um, then of course you've got people with some credibility. 
um, to make that opinion. I don't think the average board member of the New Zealand board has the ability to point um, the right coach. I don't think that I don't think they have that skill set. I mean, there's a difference between being on the board and being on a selection panel for the All Black coach. I'm with you, Murray. I'm with you. Um, that's why we got you on. Salient points as always, my friend. And they were obviously listening because they fixed the front row, the midfield and the loose forward. So we'll get you back on at the start of next year to tell them what to look out for, eh? And you can advise via us. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what we do need, um, seeing you hit that, is we need the players that have been selected now to play consistently with those players around them. So there is a, a thing called combinations and I'll give you an example, uh, Conrad Smith and Manonu. You know, what a beautiful com- balancing combination that is. Mm. The more they played together, the better they became. And that's the, that is the risk, of course, when you're trying out different players trying to resolve who, you, who your squad is, um, that they don't get enough time in the saddle together. And I think that's the most important thing from now on for the Rugby World Cup is for the All Black head coach and selectors to make sure they select their team consistently so we can build some some relationships and some rhythm and flow. Something I wanted to ask you about, Murray, was, and it's it's my observation, it might be just a personal view, I feel like there's, like the, the Rugby World Cup is important, and it's an important prize, but it seems to have diluted pretty much everything else uh, and from this neck of the woods, except for probably the Bledisloe and Alliance Tour, but everything's always about building for a World Cup, building for a World Cup. Is it is it too high up in the pecking order? Possibly, but I don't think so, really. At the end of the day, the Rugby World Cup is the, the most significant event in the rugby calendar, isn't it? Mm. And the, the, the problem you're, you're asking is, or you're raising, is that the Rugby World Cup is only every four years. Um, and, um, but you'd have to say, though, that most successful uh, periods or tenures are, are those that are consistent over a period of at least of about four years or more. Mm. Uh, so if you look back in history and look back at the time that uh, a head coach ran the show with success, um, they they often had four, five, six years at the helm. Um, chopping and changing, um, I don't think is um, is good. Um, we've had a, a marvelous record over a hundred years, haven't we? Mm. Of about um, you know something like what is it, seventy nine percent or something, isn't it? Seventy nine percent, seventy nine point something anyway, and that's magnificent. But um, you get that when you get a little bit of continuity. Um, and you can't chop and change. I, I'm surprised that Wales uh, have sat PVAC with one year to go. I think it's a it's a uh, a lot to do with a new coach. But Gatlin would have been the only one that would be qualified to take that role because he's so close to it and he's just immediate past head coach, isn't he? But with Dave Rennie, I mean they'd be crazy if they changed Dave Rennie, and England would be crazy if they changed Eddie Jones, quite frankly. And it's got to that stage um, with Ian Foster now too, you know, to to destabilise uh, the World Cup campaign, um, you know, half a dozen big matches out from the World Cup, because there are a few not so big matches, um, you know, would be a, b- a bad move, um, and it would be a reckless move. 
and I don't think the New Zealand Rugby Union are going to do that. Um, so now what we want to see to have our best opportunity is to to have the players that they aren't quite sure about um, playing in the Super Rugby competition and then for them to pick their um, their test squad uh, because it's not a test team anymore, it's a test squad, um, you know, for the rugby championship and stick with those guys. Last thing I wanted to ask you about, Murray, was we've got a, we've got a Rugby World Cup. Well, this is on the back of uh, Sansa. Well, it's not Sansa anymore, whatever it is, the Super Rugby thing. It's going to be unchanged, pretty much the same format uh, till 2030. So we've got a Rugby World Cup in 23, 27, 31. Do you think there's a room and a little bit of innovation to create something in the two years in between, so 25, 29, 33. So instead of waiting four years for a pinnacle event, have a semi-pinnacle. And whether that's a, a top eight type scenario, whether it's uh, every two years everyone goes on tour, like the Lions tour here, I think New Zealand is a perfect place to tour because you can have three tests, five super franchises games, New Zealand Māori, maybe a Barbarians or a Heartland because that really resonates with the people, and I feel like it's time for rugby to give the people what they want. Mm, it's an interesting comment, and I, I can't help but think it's got value. Uh, for example, if you had every two years, let's talk about the All Black team, if the All Black team toured either the UK uh, or Europe, shall we say, mm. Europe or South Africa, um, then it would be fantastic, because definitely on tours... It sorts out those players that are good at working together with each other. You know, it sorts, it sorts out the environment. Yep. It sorts out whether the, the, the head coach and the coaching staff have got the right environment and the right personnel. So I think uh, if you say the pinnacle event is the World Cup and two years out there's going to be a, a serious tour to a serious um, uh, program, then I think it's got to be good. Uh, but... I wouldn't want to see them tour Australia like we did in the old days for two months in the year, you know, two years out from the World Cup because there's only about three games that are going to be tough. And that's the Wallabies in the first test, the second test and the third test. <laughs> so, you know, whereas in Britain you can play France and Paris and you can play Scotland and Edinburgh and England and, and Twickenham and obviously um, Ireland who are the top, top of the tree at the moment. Uh, in South Africa you always get a lot of hard matches and it's where people can be found out. And I think that's probably the only criticism I have of, uh, of super rugby staff, Staffy, you know, it's, uh, it's, um, to me, the most important thing is that we have really strong competition because that's where the very best are, you know, expose themselves and the ones that aren't quite the very best also expose themselves. And we need that, don't we? Um, we need, you know, because if you're playing an all-black team against a second string, say a, a team that's ranked eighth or ninth or tenth in the world, then you're going to generally win that game and look look pretty good because you're part of an all-black team. But if you're playing against, you know, England at Twickenham and France and Paris or South Africa and Pretoria, then that sorts out, you know, the best from the very best. And that's what you've got to have if you're going to win the Rugby World Cup, the very best playing and the very best environment. Mm. And I think it's, is it coincidence that the All Black form fell away a little bit this year 
we're not playing the South African teams in Super Rugby. I, I, there's no way of proving it, but I feel like the Super Rugby competition against those South African teams, not only the game, but as you say, the touring of South Africa, um, we're able to hop on planes and just do the trans-Tasman thing. South Africa out of our Super Rugby environment potentially is part of what's hurt the All Blacks. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. I think um, uh, to my point earlier, and that is my point, in fact, if you don't have those big matches, and there's no doubt about it, playing South African teams in South Africa is a hell of a, a hell of a challenge. It's it's almost the ultimate challenge in many respects. Um, you know, I'd like to see Super Rugby express themselves better. Yeah. So whether it's to um, re-engage with South African teams, because I'm sure that there are super teams from South Africa that would love to be involved. Uh, may not all, maybe not all of them, um, but if you had two, for example, um, then you could strengthen the competition a certain amount. Because uh, at the moment, you know, you could play against the force with a second team. Uh, the Crusaders could play a second team, or most New Zealand teams could play a second team against the force and win. Um, and the same thing uh, with the Rebels. And probably and the same thing with the um, Samoan and Tongan side. Um, the Drua, I think, are probably going to surprise everyone in the next in the next campaign. And as I often point out, in Fiji, there's 1.3 million people, um, and you know they love rugby, and they're, they're, they're you know they're built for rugby in many respects. Whereas in the other island groups, the population is a lot smaller. Uh, 180,000 in Samoa and about 130,000 in Tonga. So it's a bit harder. Um, and that's why they've got an amalgamated team, I guess. But I think we'll see the Drua perform better than, say, someone like the Rebels in the Western Force. But my point is, the stronger the competition, the better the international uh, options will be for the Wallabies and the, and the All Blacks and uh, the Argentinians. Brilliant to chat, Mary Mexted. Really appreciate your thoughts and your time. Fantastic insights, as always. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, have a safe and comfortable and celebratory Christmas. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. Good on you. There it is. Mary Mexted, great thoughts. We'll be back in a moment.